Hey there, everybody. Welcome once again to the Everyday Missionary Podcast. This is episode 242, and this week has been a long and heartbreaking week. Now, uh, obviously, last week, I took the week off from the podcast. I was out of town with my wife and some friends. We went to Long Beach, not California, but Long Beach, Washington, took the Jeep on one of the longest beaches in the world, ran across a couple hundred other Jeeps for this big rally, and next thing you know, our Jeep is in a giant uh, parade of Jeeps going down a beach that... Man, I bet the parade spanned easily a mile long or something like that. So that was kind of fun. Uh, so I had a good time last week. The other thing you might notice, at least for those who are watching this online, is my surroundings uh, have changed. And so uh, with anticipation of our midweek facility coming down and our new building hopefully going up, uh, we're having to move out of our offices. And so I was able to relocate my office um, to the house we had a kind of a larger bonus room upstairs, and so my wife was gracious enough to say, hey, let's move some things around, and therefore you can get all your books and your your space at the house and everything else, and so it's a giant blessing for me uh, to be able to have this particular little secluded spot in my world so I can think and contemplate and pray and kind of figure out like, hey, Jesus, how do we do this whole everyday missionary thing? And so that's why I got the new digs, which is pretty exciting for me in that sense. But all of that has sort of been spoiled, like this last week of moving in and going on a trip and everything else. A little bit spoiled by the the stuff of this week and that long, hard week, right? And so uh, some things that have kind of happened over the course of this week, at least in the media, as we know, in the news. Um, obviously, there was the release of the report of the Southern Baptist Convention showing that the executive committee and the powers that be within the SBC, uh, they they were the opposite of anything Christ-like over the course of years. They have covered up, they have manhandled, and I'm going to pick that word manhandled, victims that were children, victims that were women. They have uh, just been underhanded in all sorts of ways and thought that, hey, the more you try to sequester and hide stuff, the better off it's going to be, and the more you bully people into not reporting things, the more you protect the ministry. And in the end, it reminds me of Jesus when he says, hey, listen, everything that's done in the dark is going to eventually come into the light and it'll be shouted from the housetops. Or in this case, it's going to be on CNN and Fox News and Christian Post and pretty much every news source in the world just highlighting the hypocrisy of our leaders in the largest denomination in the United States. Um, And so there was that news that released. There was also news that released this week that uh, a judge ruled that donors to Ravi Zacharias Ministries can sue that ministry because that ministry had been using donor funds to pay off sexually inappropriate advances on the part of Ravi Zacharias. They had paid hush money and settlements and everything else, which means they had known for a while that he was doing inappropriate things. But again, the attitude was, hey, he's doing good stuff for Jesus in the kingdom. So if we have to pay some money for a sexual inappropriate possibilities here, it's just kind of what happens. You just got to break a few eggs to make an omelet or something. And so they were doing that. So there was that. And then, of course, we had the shooting in Texas, which is utterly heartbreaking. And not only just seeing that and being reminded of the the darkness of the human condition and the dark places that people can go as human beings, what was really troubling for me is I thought, man, the world is seeing how human violence and human aggression and human hatred is on full display in this context. And then when you look to the church as being a solution, as the gospel being the hope of the world and everything else. Instead, we have all of these scandals that are flooding the news at the same time. And it's just kind of like, man, we're showing that the darkness in-house is just as bad as the darkness 
out of the house with the strong exception that those in-house, we as Christians, we claim that we think God is real. We think the Bible is true. And so it's far worse than, than, than maybe disbelieving people or unsaved people or people that do not hold the faith where they do things. Well, they don't believe maybe in God or they don't believe the standards of the Bible. And so in some ways you go like, sure, they're, they're operating on their own system. But when those of us who claim that we believe these things uh, forget that God is watching, that God is active, that God is going to kind of have some scales with us in the end, uh, all the more it just seems super troubling to me. Then it's like, man, where is our witness? Where is our example? Where is our light? Why did we become such an institution and a mechanism that we feel like we need to pay out hush money and cover things up and not flush it into the light? Uh, how do we get there, right? So it was just one of those weeks for me where there was a lot of just a, a, a valuation and, and heaviness and everything else. And and then from that, I can go one or two directions in the podcast. I can either go like, what are we thinking? And I beat us all with a stick, but I know this is not the majority of us necessarily. And, and so instead, I thought I'm going to lean a different direction, which is we just, not only do we need to do better, we can do better. But better requires us really leaning into what our calling is in this world, right? And that's kind of a bigger discussion, right? I think in some ways, because even with the shooting this week, I, I remember as soon as that released, just in a moment of candor here, I'm like, and cue the opposition to this in three, two, one, and boom, you're off to the races where no sooner like people are talking about the tragedy of the event that I'm seeing other people that I'm connected to on social media going, but guns aren't the problem and don't mess with our guns and don't touch our guns. And then the debate starts. So children's bodies aren't even hardly cold yet. And the debate begins once again about guns versus no guns and, and everything else. And then, you know, that goes into the deeper things about like why, why we want our guns because of fear, because of threat, because of bad guys. And we need good guys with guns to deal with bad guys with guns. And all of this other stuff kind of floods into the equation. And so I'm sitting there watching people arguing online now about wanting to remove guns and wanting to keep guns and the second amendment and the list goes on and you get it. And, and the podcast, I'm not talking about that. That's not my focus uh, for this podcast today, but it just reminded me of how we just continue to play games of adventures and missing the point, you know, and uh, the, 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 the fact and the reality that so often what gets to be the motivating factor for us as followers of Jesus is the extreme opposite of what he said we're to be motivated by. So when I think about the SBC, I think about Ravi Zacharias Ministries, I think about the debate on guns, the commonality I find in all of this is being motivated by some level of fear or suspicion or uh, the sense of us versus them. Uh, there's an enemy and we need to protect ourselves against an enemy. And so that that concept, the conceptual idea of being driven by uh, worrisome spirit seems to be kind of embedded into much of what I see in American Christianity at all sorts of levels, right? And so suspicion of government and suspicion of, you know, conspiratorial ideas about who's in charge of things and and then why we want the ability to protect ourselves because we got to worry about the, these influences that want to harm us in some way. And, and, and then these ministries that say, hey, we got to bury this because we fear what will happen is this, if this stuff comes out, if we're accused of these things, if we find if the world finds out we're guilty, it'll destroy our ministry. So in fear, we cover up and fear we pay out in fear. We fail. That's kind of what I'm getting at today. 
And therefore, we need to make a different decision, and we can. And that's the thing I want to emphasize in this. We can, in fact, make a different decision if we are willing to have the discipline and the courage to make that decision. Because when Jesus enters into the world, he he, he has this real simple idea, and it's this idea called faith. Now, faith is simple, but it's not easy to do. But but what he's calling us to is to not be motivated by the fears that can be generated in this world and instead to trust him in faith, lay our lives down for him in faith and be motivated by a faith that is certain that his outcomes are going to come to be. Now, between now and that time when the outcomes come to be, hey, it doesn't guarantee it's going to be easy for us. In fact, Jesus is like, dudes, I'm telling you, if you're going to sign up to follow me, it just doesn't go easy for you in this world, but do not fear. I have overcome the world, right? So he makes it really clear. And this is where we, again, if we're going to be authentic followers of Jesus who are missionaries in the environment that we inhabit, we need to get comfortable with faith, not fact, but faith, not guarantees on how our life is going to go, but rather the guarantee of where our life is going in the end and how we are to live our lives, conduct ourselves in the midst of a broken world as we're moving toward that end. Because one of the things we sometimes don't realize about the idea of kind of the flow of time when it comes to how Jesus kind of sees things is in one sense, Jesus's first coming, it pushes us forward in life, right? So we take his life, his dispositions, his commands, his character, and we graft those into our lives. And who he was then pushes us forward in a direction, right? To see his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. But there's another reality that the the, the future is settled. In other words, uh, the victory is assured. The kingdom does come on earth as it is in heaven. And because of that, the the second coming of Christ and the future is pulling our lives also toward that culmination. So Jesus both pushes and pulls us toward this final state of things. And in light of that, wherever we're at in the time stream of the push and the pull, what we're simply called to is to think like him, be like him, respond like him, represent him well. And and then from that, hopefully more kind of glob on to this journey in Jesus and the world is increasingly changed because of that. And what needs to drive that is not fear, but again, it has to be faith. Faith that that outcome is going to happen. Faith that doing it his way really matters. Faith that life is better with Jesus. And when I use that statement, what I'm saying is life is better when you do it Jesus's way. That does not guarantee that your life will improve from a monetary point of view or from some upward mobility status issue or, or you know, in the sense of like, hey, you're going to have an easy going life if you're more and more like Jesus. In fact, if you're more and more like Jesus, newsflash, you might have a more broken up and difficult life, but rewarding right? Isn't that Paul in Philippians 3, right? And then he goes into Philippians 4 and it's all about this idea of like, hey man, I'm focused on Christ. I've let go of my old life. I've embraced this new life. And because of that, I have comfort. I have calm. I have completeness, even when everything around me is completely falling apart. Internally, I feel complete. That's because he was a guy that was motivated, not by the fears that were around him, the fears of Rome, the fears of local government, the fears of outsiders that were opposed to him. No, he was motivated by faith. And the idea that everybody had contact with was a potential candidate to follow Jesus. And so he interacted with them at that level. 
And that's the way that we want to be as missionaries, right? So we want to stop being motivated by the fears that are around our world. We want to stop talking as though we're fearful of groups. We're fearful of government. We're fearful of individuals. We're fearful of an economy crash. We're fearful of some global catastrophe. Like, like what would make us different is that we lean into the power of the Holy Spirit that is given to us to do life in different ways. Like that's the stuff the world's waiting to see. And so with all of this stuff that I've, I've read and watched and listened to this week and then all these debates that I'm watching unfold online, I'm looking at us as the Christians in this. And and just in a moment of candor, I, I, I go, man, why don't we look and sound different? Why don't we look, sound, and feel like a resource of calm, of help, of empathy, that we would decelerate the debate? So often we accelerate the debates, and then then we pick stupid fights on top of that that don't even matter. In fact, they might undermine the gospel for the sake of our own sense of liberties, you know? And and this is where, if, if, if our faith is truly the, the foremost priority of our lives— and it's the thing that most matters to us and motivates us above all other things, then this is where what it's going to require of us is to say, you know what, I'm going to do the the hard, disciplined work, because I do think it's hard, disciplined work, of being so close to Jesus, Jesus oozes out of my life. So that when my salsa level rises and I want to get angry or my fear quotient kind of elevates. And so I want to feel all these phobias that come out or I want to worry about this and dread that and warn of this and rail against that. Then I would shut my mouth instead and be like, Jesus, please let me be that person where I help abate people's fears. I help remove people's anxieties. I help people kind of realize like, wait, there's a much bigger world in play and from that, I would be this model of hope, of joy, of peace, of love, that the fruit of the Spirit would be most highlighted in times where the world is most kind of teetering on the edge of crazy, right? Because I, I, I keep coming back to this theme, and I, I know I've brought this up before in the podcast and in messages I preach and everything else. I find that there's a desperation that I have in my own life to see more of us as followers of Jesus, truly empowered by Jesus, so as to be these kinds of people in kind of a broken, crazy, turbulent world. Like I keep looking around at the like the Southern Baptist issue or the Robbie Zacharias issue, or there was another issue this week with a pastor that admitted to having an affair and he was stepping down and then a girl got up right behind and said, well, I'm the one that this was happening with and I was 16 when it started and you took my virginity on the floor of your church office, you know, and, and so he calls it an affair and really what it was was child rape, you know, but he kind of downplays it and everything else and, and, I, and I think about the leaders that have fallen over the last couple of years and again, I go back to this idea, if we're all saying we believe in God? Do we really believe in God? If we're all saying we believe the Bible, do we really believe the Bible? Because that should be shaping us. And then I kind of go, oh, well, maybe the problem isn't so much that we don't believe, but we don't believe so deeply that we sense the power that can come into our lives so as to transform us to be a different kind of people. And and so uh, the podcast today is more of kind of... uh, sharing my my hunger, my desire, my hope, my prayer, my want for us as the people of God in the world that we live in, that the world needs more than us being moral. The world needs us more than just wanting to, you know, advocate for certain ethics within our culture or whatever else. It really desperately needs a people that are different because so often I think 
what the world is doing is it looks at us as followers of Jesus. They go, you just don't seem all that different than us. And sometimes, in fact, you guys look worse than us because you're claiming to endorse something that you're not actually willing to put behind or put those ideas behind your life and really let it drive you. So you claim God is watching. You claim he's real. You claim there's a hell. You claim there's a judgment for sin. Well, if you guys really believe that, you should really live remarkably differently. But when we don't, and then we have all of these scandals that come out, it just looks like we're worse for wear because we don't actually even believe what we claim to believe. And this is where you and I each get to be ambassadors to send a different message, right? To disrupt the stereotypes that are beginning to accelerate within the culture. And that the key to that, I believe, is not so much like we got to white knuckle it and just be more responsible and have a good witness as though it's artificial, but rather it comes down to saying, all right, Jesus, you made promises that we would be empowered, that we would be different, uh, that, you know, there is there is a force that dwells within us that is far in a way, more powerful than anything we can imagine. In other words, it's the indwelling presence of God. You read through the New Testament and, and you see that the Father dwells in us, the Son dwells in us, and the Holy Spirit all dwell in us. So all three members of the Trinity dwell in us to what? Empower us, shape us, move us, motivate us, stimulate us, and drive us forward as light and salt in the world so that people can see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven. That recipe is what we need to really work toward. And we can. It is available to us. This is not some pie-in-the-sky, wishful-thinking thing. It's always been there. It just seems we so easily just get lulled into other things or we get absorbed by the stuff of the world more than we are really allowing our lives to be absorbed by the power of the Spirit coursing through us in the daily affairs of life. And so that's going to require, hey, we're prayerful, we're mindful, we're thoughtful, we're, we're, we're hungry for what he can do in and through us. And that the, all of the stuff that's the messiness of the world becomes the palette by which our lives can stand against, not like forcefully against, but rather the contrast. So, so when the world seems dark, we should seem very light. When the world seems afraid, we should seem very courageous. When the world seems hateful, we should seem very loving. Like all of this is contrast, but too often we just kind of blend into the contrasting elements and the world sounds fearful, so we sound fearful. The world sounds angry, so we sound angry. The world wants to debate things, so we want to debate things as opposed to we want to be a different people, that we want to embody and inhabit the space that Jesus calls us to. And so I'm not even sure what I'm going to title this uh, podcast today, uh, other than I think the world desperately needs people of authentic faith, not the objective faith of orthodoxy necessarily, though that's great. But if we don't have a genuine subjective faith in our objective orthodoxy, it kind of doesn't matter. Right? We can't just ride on ideas in life. We need to ride on the principles of those ideas playing out in an active, real, authentic way. And that's where, again, it's going to come back to us being reliant on the Holy Spirit, dependent on the Son, motivated by his motives in this world, that we will learn to every day gradually let go of our fears and lean into faith because faith is the key. It's really believing the Bible and it's really believing Jesus and it's really believing what God is doing and what he's pulling us toward and that we are the instruments in which that future becomes a tangible reality. I think about that back in 2 Peter where it's like, we hasten the coming of the day of the Lord. It says that in chapter three. I don't know what that means, but it does seem to point out that what we do and do not do affects the trajectory of that final day. 
And so more than trying to ensure our safety in this world, maybe we need to lay our lives out and down and lay our fears down and move in faith, even if that can cost us some way, because in the end, it doesn't cost anything. In the end, it only rewards. And Jesus was clear about that. When you suffer for righteousness sake, you will be rewarded. When you are persecuted for righteousness sake, you will be rewarded. That's why he says leap for joy, high five, fist bump when those things happen because it shows the world we really believe. We don't just say we believe. We authentically believe. We back it up with our lives. And see, that's what I think they're desperate to see. I think they're going, hey, I don't know if God is real and I don't think Christianity has got it solved. But if the Christians really lived this ideal that is stated in the Bible, man, that would be some pretty tough evidence to argue with. Because there is this truth that a person with an argument is always at the mercy of a person with an experience. And in this sense, if people were experiencing our experience of the living Christ in and through our lives, that is very difficult to argue with. But if we sound just like the world, same fears, same frustrations, same anger, we just land on this side or that side of the political spectrum, but we don't sound like an otherworldly kingdom-minded person, then it's kind of all for naught. And it's not going to land where it needs to land because I really do believe that what made Jesus so compelling to people is he was otherworldly. And I believe in the same way he has deposited his life in our lives so that we too can be like him, otherworldly. And the more we hunger for that and we labor toward that and we pray toward that and, and, and we invest our mental, passionate resource toward that instead of all the things we can get caught up in. Well, it's in that space that I believe we will be effective everyday missionaries.